There we go. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. They're coming to get you, Barbara. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Here's Johnny. Vanity. Definitely my favorite city. I am devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. The power of flesh compels you. This is my boomstick. What's your favorite scary movie? Good evening, and welcome to Shiver, a horror movie podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Daniel DeBana. And I'm David Uyoa, and with us is our next guest on our summer movie fan fest, Hannah. Say hi, Hannah. Hi, guys. Uh, Hannah Welcome. Hannah and I know each other uh, from a little while back when I used to work at the Houndstooth. Uh, and now, well, it has been a while since we've seen her, and now we've got a very pregnant Hannah Floyd. <laughs> or is it still is it still Hannah Floyd? Or It's Hannah Payne. Hannah Payne now. Hannah there Floyd. we go. So, <laughs> but so um, just as a disclaimer, as we get going here, Hannah just wanted to, select, to let you guys know, anybody who may be watching, if she just disappears temporarily or we do a segment without her, it's because she has to pee a lot because she's very <laughs> pregnant. So yes. you feel free to go to the bathroom as you need to, Hannah. We'll be just fine. <laughs> Something I don't think werewolves are particularly uh, worried about. I have to imagine the werewolves just go. I'd like yeah. to think. I'd like to think if I was a werewolf, that would be one freedom I'd have. Right. Right. Like, yeah. You've, you don't have a lot of control your pants over off. your life. <laughs> yeah. You've taken your pants off. Like I'm just going to mark that tree over there and keep going. <laughs> you don't get a lot, man. No. No. You don't. You don't even get your eyes. You know. Right. It's rough. <laughs> it's rough out there yeah. for a werewolf, man. At least, but at least you get to pee where you want. It's hard out here for a wolf, mm -hmm. as they say. Uh, no one says that. Uh, no, number one, one fan, <laughs> Frank Kowalski in early with uh, wolf emoji. Hi, There's Frank. A goddamn werewolf emoji. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. Or, uh, or there a... be more movies if they make werewolf emoji, uh, maybe. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, so Hannah, you've chosen 1985's Silver Bullet. And uh, one of the things that we ask of all of our guests here is how you got started on horror movies. So do, do you remember, was there like one horror movie that kind of kickstarted your love affair with horror movies? It was Silver Bullet. <laughs> it was Silver Bullet. Okay, great. All right. So uh, yeah. it's nice. Uh, do you remember how old you were the first time yeah. you saw it? So I was looking back and it it came out in 1985. I was born in 89, so I really don't know why my parents decided to rent it. I would have to say I was like six or seven, mm -hmm. maybe way too young to be watching it. Um, but I feel like I didn't have a choice if I wanted to like horror or not because I have a sister that's four years older than me. So all oh, around yeah. my house is Goosebumps books. After school was Are You Afraid of the Dark and the Goosebumps series. Yeah. And so, I mean, I feel like in the 80s, that's just kind of how it was. And Silver Bullet's kind of like, I read some stuff. It's like a kid's, it, it says that it really could be focused towards a kid's scary movie. But I, well, I, I saw I it with my eight-year-old. 
Um, <laughs> and and he, uh, he 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 rather enjoyed it. Um, but he's right. he's um he's he's kind of a uh, an odd one like me. Um, and like he, me. like he he Obviously. really likes like Dawn of the Dead. Um, you know, so he's uh he's he's got quite quite a taste for um for blood. Um, so that's that's cool. I like that. Um, I, I like how often this uh my, one one my favorite thing about doing this summer fan fest is so far how many people have been like no it's this one like this is the movie is like it. in a couple right. weeks we're gonna have Nick on doing Child's Play and it, he's the same way he's like that is the movie so I love that. But I love how often Goosebumps and Are You Afraid of the Dark come up on this. Like, it just really shows how influential those things were on, on our generation of, of yeah, it's folk. A, it's a generational thing. Yeah. I, I, I remember being so into Goosebumps. Like, I remember picking up one of the uh, uh, the Omnibus volumes. Yeah. You know, that had like, I don't know, like 10 of them all in one. And I was at a I was at a party that my parents went to, and they dragged me along, obviously, because you know the dog can take care of you for you know a couple minutes, but not for a couple hours, right? At least not anymore. You know, not yeah. like the good old days in the exactly. 1950s. Now you it's know, neglect. Um, yeah, you gotta call child protective services. <laughs> um, and the dog's like, I don't know. They just left him. <laughs> I gave him food. He didn't want the kibble. The bits were okay. Um, so the better part. Um, I was reading it and like, they were like, Oh, is, is this a textbook? Like, are you studying? I'm like, no, man, it's the goosebumps, man. Like it, people were like the older generation didn't quite understand. I right. guess this, you know, this fascination with, with horror that started so young. That's so what that's I'm great. saying. I, I didn't have a choice. It was VHS. It came on after mm -hmm. school. There were books. I mean, it was everywhere. Yeah, because yeah. it was that dope, like short-lived series for Goosebumps yeah. too. That kind of picked mm -hmm. up where Are You Afraid of the Dark left off. Yeah, they yeah. did that. So, so you pick Silver Bullet, and and that's where we are here. Um, and you know what? This was the first time I've seen this, Dave. What about you? Okay, so I swore up and down I had not seen this before, and then as I was watching, I was like, "Well, that seems oddly familiar." And then a couple minutes would go by, and I'd be like, "Why?" I kind of remember that too. So there's only so much that you can <laughs> kind of forgive as, well, maybe I saw it on a YouTube clip or, you know, maybe I just kind of knew the story. I'm pretty sure I rented this at some point. Right. How do you and forgive a boy in a motorcycle? <laughs> don't, don't ask me how I forgot that, but remembered absolutely everything with the priest. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I, I, I don't know. But every <laughs> single one of his scenes, I was like, no, I've seen this one before. <laughs> so, <laughs> awesome so um so to get into the movie right um stephen king is pretty much considered by all to be the, the the master of horror literature his his movies however are you know somewhat divisive yeah. and um this one in particular seems to be one that I, I think people fall on either you know one side or the other on. So um, after almost 40 years, which is kind of crazy to say that. Mm -hmm. So um, after almost 40 years, does this movie hold up and is it scary? Because it is primarily a horror movie. Uh, so H Hannah, do you want to go first? It holds up as a very entertaining movie. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Does it hold up as a scary movie? Not so much. I still think maybe it could be 
a scary movie for children. <laughs> if there mm -hmm. were like maybe two parts taken out, like there are like, there's the one gory scene with the lady yeah. that he tries to stop. I don't know how much of the movie I need to. <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's a, we, oh. we assume at this point, anybody who's listening or watching mm -hmm. has seen it. Has we seen we it. delve into okay. parts as we go, but feel free to cherry pick what you need. Also, if after 37 years, you're getting upset <laughs> right? about a spoiler, I mean, it's kind of on you. It's true. You're um, telling me King Kong dies at the end? Yeah. <laughs> okay. No! I hopes. <laughs> we did call out the minister earlier, so I feel like that was probably the biggest bomb drop you could have done. Yeah. Um, but I do really feel like it, you said you watched it with your eight-year-old. It's a yeah. kind of kiddie, scary movie. There are a little bit of, like the like I said, the lady that was going to commit suicide. That's pretty much the, I think the goriest part of the movie with the nails on her legs and on her back, and that was yeah. that was pretty harsh. But um, other than that, I really it's not scary. But I will tell you that even as I'm 32, if I watch it for the next like three to four days, if I don't park in my carport. I'm running to the house. So, <laughs> there's something in the woods and it's watching me. And I think it has to do with how the movie shot, you know, every time it's shot from the werewolf's eyes, like right. watching yeah. you. Mm -hmm. So I'm telling you there's something in the woods for at least, yeah, three to four days I'm running. Yeah, no, I, I, th I think you're absolutely right. I think it definitely holds up as entertaining. I really enjoyed <laughs> myself watching it last night. There's, mm -hmm. there's, there's a lot of stuff that carries this that makes it a fun and interesting watch. As far as scary, yeah, outside of the woman who gets mauled in her bedroom right. um, and a really intense last like 14 minutes. Right. Uh, I, I don't know how much of it qualifies as scary. There's some great scenes. There are some mm -hmm. really good stuff that I thoroughly enjoyed watching. But yeah, like uh, it, it's always weird. Like Dave, you said, you know, that Stephen King movies get real divisive right and this one there seems to be a pretty thick line in the sand like people like reading up on this one today people are like it's really good or it's awful like you know there, there's not a lot of in between but what's funny is like uh i saw where um roger ebert thought that it was like a parody of the stephen <laughs> king book yeah. or not novel novelette novella i novella. think whichever, whichever one um you know, so it's it's always weird. Like my my standing theory is that Stephen King novellas make good movies. Stephen King novels make good miniseries or just straight up series, which is why, mm -hmm. you know, like uh, you, you look at some stuff like it, the original it, not the new one, even with as long as it was, it was presented as a miniseries. So it's like yeah. that works. Uh, but sometimes you take those whole 1700 page books and they just don't work out so when you're working from his novella catalog you get a lot of great stuff that Shawshank comes from too not that this right. is anywhere near that level okay. but <laughs> I, I think that this was good source material um and I think that it played off in a way that I kind of want to read it now and see if some of the moments are a little more heightened and see if they're scarier because yeah this, this wasn't that scary but it was definitely fun I've I've never read Cycle of the Werewolf. Um, no. I have read some of his other stuff, and I got to say that aside from like some of his early stuff, I feel like Stephen King needs to be reined in. Right. 
I'm I'm not a huge fan of Stephen King's writing. I'm a big fan of Stephen King's stories. Um, and and I feel like uh particularly in it, like that is a fantastic story. Yes. Um, I don't like the book. It takes so long. It's it's, just, it's and it's it too long. It's too long. Yeah, it, it, it kind of goes nowhere for a long time. Um, and then I feel like every Stephen King book has that one scene where he's like, yeah, I wish I hadn't written that because yeah. uh, because I was on a bender and uh, I didn't think about the repercussions of that. Like, well, cocaine's a hell uh, of a drug. Yeah. You know, <laughs> right. Um, so I, um, I I feel like the, the movies of these books tend to be better than the books themselves. Uh, there's there's very few exceptions. Uh, but, uh, you're, you're, you're kind of right though. You know, the, the novels tend to make good series. Salem's lot is one of those where I think, you know, it's, it's just, it's spectacular. Yeah. Storm you know, of the century. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, so I, <laughs> um, fuck, I love Toby Hooper. So, yeah, um, God, yes. <laughs> this one for me, um, I do think it's a great introductory horror movie. Uh, I don't think that this was made to, um, kind of shock the diehard horror fan but i do think that there's enough here to keep horror aficionados watching because um i forget his name but uh the guy that plays the preacher uh is another guy that's Something been everett yes everett yeah. mcgill everett mcgill yeah like he's he's another guy that you know is in that movie that you saw that one time he's yeah. spectacular Absolutely spectacular in the people under the stairs, which Daniel and I have been saying forever that we uh. need to do on this show. Um, you know, and, and that's that's just one example. You know, uh, Gary Busey's fucking amazing. amazing. I, I, he's he's always great, and the the drunker he gets, the better he gets. <laughs> and um, and I, I I'll never understand how he does what he does and gets away with it. Right. <laughs> um, but on top of it all, you have some like really great special effects here, and that's one of the things that I love about eighties horror. That late seventies through like late eighties horror movies. Uh, I'd even stretch that to like early 90s horror movies is really great practical special effects. And the guy who handled the special effects for this movie, Carlo Rambaldi, is like the creme de la creme. Like uh, I would say only Tom Savini outdoes Carlo Rambaldi. Yes. And like this is the guy who was involved in Alien. He was involved in uh, Close mm -hmm. Encounters of the Third Kind, uh, uh, E.T. Mm-hmm. You know, Conan the Destroyer, uh, that that fucking monster that comes out at the end of Conan the Destroyer is is just, you know, incredible. And uh, and the 1976 King Kong, you know, whether you like it or you don't, I don't like it yeah. as much as the original. But the it special exists. effects are great. <laughs> you know, the special effects are great. And, you know, Jessica Lange's awesome. You know, so um, it, it, this is a guy who is known for special effects and, and he creates what I think is one of the most unique looking werewolves in cinema history that might be a good thing or a bad thing <laughs> uh we'll me, and, and, and we'll get to it but i i myself think this is a great movie to watch if you want to feel a little nostalgic for 80s horror yeah Oh, dude, I, I think you nailed it. And, you know, one of the things that makes this movie real easy to, to digest and just let it watch over you and enjoy it is the fact that 
the plot of this movie is it's pretty straightforward werewolf shenanigans, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you're looking at the plot of Silver Bullet, you got a town, mysterious killer. Turns out that killer's a monster. What are we gonna do? You know, I mean, that's that's it's it, <clears throat> that's really boilerplate, but that's fine because it just lets you enjoy the movie. You're not constantly waiting for the twist or something like that. So the question is. You know, did it did the way the story progressed, did the pacing, did did everything about the story that happened kind of keep you entertained? Was there was there anything that really left you just blindsided? Was there anything that came out of nowhere? Just what do you think about the way the movie went, Dave? Um, I particularly like how they handled the werewolf mythology where it was no longer that it had to be on a full moon. Uh, it was that as the as as the the phases of the moon you know came in and out, the werewolf became stronger. I really like that. I also like that he retained all the memories of what had happened. Yeah, that to to me that was like a really unique take on the werewolf because, at least in my opinion, <clears throat> the werewolf that comes to mind when you think of werewolves is the classic universal monster oh see i and and i and i know it's because you're a universal monster guy but uh, like when when i when i think werewolf i I think jonathan landis right like i'm i'm uh an american werewolf in london that's that's my first go-to werewolf okay and and i think this is closer to that which i mean time-wise is much closer i think an american werewolf in london is like 80 or 81 Yeah. yeah uh you know and 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 this definitely looks more like a wolf than like a man um so so i i there's a lot of inspiration there i think particularly in the transformation scene uh now this is not as good as the transformation scene in an american werewolf in london but you also get in this i think a particularly good nightmare scene which you also had in an american werewolf in london for me it was the standout scene in this movie absolutely when, when there's all those coffins lined up and you know, people start trans. The one guy, start, the you know, the the little boy's dad starts transforming, and then the other guy starts transforming, and then you know, the hands start popping up out of the coffins. This was the only point in the movie when my son like kind of came close to me. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> what's what's going on? I'm like, kid, it's a nightmare. Don't worry, they're not all werewolves. And then it turned around back to a comedy as the werewolf Pauls were playing the piano. Yes, and it does like <laughs> the big dramatic turn. It's yeah, like, oh, I love it. Love it's it. it's it's a it's a spectacular uh piece of storytelling because it's yeah. it's not it's not only jarring because it it is scary and it's the first time that the movie does approach uh horror in the uh you know in 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 the more traditional sense but it's it's also a turning point in the movie because we've now identified who the werewolf is mm-hmm. and and we're and we're still keeping that kind of like quirky like off-brand humor going mm-hmm. that was yeah. present throughout the whole movie um so f- for me i i i really rather enjoyed the plot uh it also kind of reminded me even though the whole thing doesn't play out over the summer it reminded me of the way that you kind of like hang out with your friends and just like make shit up to have something to do over the summer 
Right. You know, where it's like, you know, hey, let's just go over to that uh that, that abandoned house over there, you know, because because there's there's a couple of junkies over there. Let's let, <laughs> let's see if we can fuck with them. Right. And there were never junkies there. It wasn't an abandoned house. It was just an old man who never mowed his lawn. But you made up these stories to have something to do over the summer. And to me, that's what I think that's what Gary Busey thinks is going on uh, with, with with Martin. Right. Um but that's it, it reminded me of that and and the the nostalgia here even though i have no idea when i saw this movie uh it it, it was fairly nostalgic for me to watch this because it reminded me of my summers it reminded me of my childhood and and like you hannah i, I was i was born in 87 so my my memories of the 80s are like very very few mm -hmm. and 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 it's like teddy ruxpin monchichi and um <laughs> and, and and corduroy overalls um and mc hammer pants like that's the extent <laughs> of my my memory of the 80s you know my childhood is really the 90s you but, really hit the highlights though uh yeah thank you well <laughs> like i said this is what i remember <laughs> I, to me, the, the story works just enough, and there are a few standout scenes. Um, I, I think this works. I think it works All right. well. Hannah, what about you when you're looking at the story and the plot? What did you think? Um, so going back to reading, you know, I never really looked into it. It's just been a movie that I've loved since childhood. But I didn't know that this was supposed to play out over like a full year. I think each chapter of his novella is like, I think it's, 12 and it starts in March and goes to the next year. I think it, it got real confusing. Cause like at one point it seemed like it was supposed to be the same summer, but the fair sign said October. Right. But the last, then, he comes but then on it was Halloween. July. Right. Yeah. And it really feels like it took place in like a week. Like, yeah, there's, there's no like establishment as to like how time passes, but they, they do give like, little markers yeah. you know like like halfway through the movie it's like okay well this is july 4th so <laughs> yeah. so we're, we're like halfway through summer and it started like right at the beginning of summer yeah i think March so, so you know it, it does progress yeah so um i mean no it's entertaining from start to finish there's something going on um i think it's a good plot i mean it's got a nice little storyline it's got a lot of relationships like you know there's brother and sister and then there's uncle and nephew and then he's got the friend brady and i read some stuff about it that um actually made me go back and think that it's not just this story most werewolves is it's about this werewolf well this is about how the townsfolk are affected like uh they have a lot of brady's dad in there talking about his yeah. son was ripped to shreds and um you know, they have a lot of scenes in the bar with the two men that ran for mayor and their little, I don't know. It's a lot of personal relationships that you don't really go into them real well. But, I mean, it's not just, hey, there's a werewolf. This is it. It's got a lot of kind of side stories, if yeah, that makes it, sense. It does, it does that thing that, like, uh, Summer of Sam does real well, where it's not just about the killer. It's about how the killer affects the community. And I think that that's where this, this took a lot of notes as far as being something a little bit different. Because I, I think you're absolutely right, Hannah. I think that it's, a lot more, it's about a lot more than just the werewolf and stopping the werewolf. It's what something a monster can do to a small town. 
Right. And then they all decide together they're going to go out and do, what is it, old boy justice or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> With, like, idiots. Posse um, justice. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think it was a good plot. It was, like you said, pretty much like, this is it. It's pretty easy to follow. Right. <laughs> I mean, there's no... Nothing that you didn't see coming, really. I mean, it's it's just kind of there, but um, there, oh, oh, oh. there was there was there was one thing I didn't see coming. Like, <laughs> like, like the, the the thing about this movie, like I said at the top, it's it's standard fare, but it's it's standard fare with flair, right? There's there's <laughs> little like bits. Thank you. There's uh, there's little bits that set it above that, not too high above, but. It's interesting, you know, because there, there's two massive standout scenes. I think three massive standout scenes from this movie. You've got the nightmare sequence, which is just incredible. Right. That that scene, like like Dave said, down to the fact that it's that it's scarier than basically the rest of the movie, except for the very <laughs> first murder. It's it's a terrifying scene. But then also, like you pointed out, Hannah, then it reminds you that that the movie, you know, has it's it's not to be taken too seriously with the werewolf playing the organ. <laughs> that scene's incredible. Um, but the 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 standout scene, you went right to the edge of the cliff on this one. It didn't jump off with me, Hannah, is when they put the posse together, right? right. And the scene that follows after that is some of the wildest shit. I've ever seen in a werewolf movie, right? It starts off. It's like, all right, we're going to go get them. And so it's funny because when they're meeting in the bar and they're all fired up, it's like, they're all like these super serious, you know, like commando level rednecks that are going to go handle (laughs) shit. Right. But then as soon as the rubber meets the road and they're in the woods, you're immediately reminded that they're just normal people who are scared. And that little transition made that scene so much more impactful. Then all of a the sudden there's waist deep fog that you can't see into. And the werewolf is literally crawling underneath the fog cover, <laughs> taking them out one by one, like fucking Sam Fisher in a splinter cell game. Yeah. And, and it's incredible. Right. He's he's moving from victim to victim, just ripping them down into the fog. And no one has an answer for this. And the best that probably is one of the best scenes is when it's the guy's arm and then all of with the bat. Yes. And he oh, the werewolf's so arm. Funny. With the bat, it's did, well, okay. So, did, just just a little context about how Dave and I's conversations go as we're watching these movies. We very rarely watch them at the same time. So, I was watching this movie last night, and I texted Dave at one point. And I was like, "Hey, I'm about halfway through," and he goes, uh, "And he goes, what do you think?" And I just replied, "I think a werewolf just beat someone to death with a baseball bat." <laughs> Like, come on, that's that's awesome. Yeah. Right? yeah. You've, you've got this apex predator, teeth, claws, strength. And what do they do? They kill somebody who's got a baseball bat, and then they beat someone else to death with that baseball bat. Right. That is comedy. That is smart. That scene was, like, once that scene was over, I was like, this movie can shit the whole bed for another 45 minutes, and I'm going to enjoy it because they gave me that. I love that they don't even show him at all. It's just his arm. Yeah. Like exactly. there's it's kind of like a Jaws thing. You never really see the shark. You, you when, the when you don't have a large sure. budget to work with, right? You 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 have to use your money judiciously, and yeah. and so the the few like 
uh, gory deaths that we get are gory and they're good. Um, but everything else is kind of like very suggestive. Yeah. And, and, and that, that scene is very suggestive and it's, it's, you don't have to show everything. Like you don't have to give it all away to have it be an effective death scene. Um, and I think one of the best examples of that is in, um, pretty much any Jurassic Park movie, but particularly in the first two, you don't see the Raptors actually kill anyone right you see the pounce you see them go for yeah. the kill but the kill itself you don't see that scene in the in the high grass right stay out of the long grass you know yeah that, that scene is really great you never ever see an actual raptor right God damn you're you right see the tail, like, you, you see the tail come up and yeah. whip, and it's like oh shit it just got another guy you never right? think about like and, you and, don't actually see nedry get it like you just see him get spit in his face and then you see the the jeep right. rock. Wow, yeah. I never stopped and thought about that. Yeah, it's it, and and uh, because our imaginations are capable of so much and in a scene like that where it's both a little bit tense because we have like half the town right. out <laughs> looking for like a dude, what they think is a dude, right? Um and it turns out that it's it's in fact a monster, right? Like that scene starts with insanity when some yeah. guy gets pushed against a wall, right? Like his his back is snapped in half as he as he smashes into a tree trunk, right? Not a wall, a tree trunk. <laughs> um, like that that's crazy. I was like, oh shit, this just like was elevated to another level. But then there's also that humor that the movie has had thrown in there. It's like, oh, baseball bat. I'm also a man. I retain all my my preacherly <laughs> memories. Oh uh, yeah, right? we were talking about that earlier. It's um, it's it's very effective. Yeah, they just they they did so much that, like I said, that that was just little flourishes that that make this movie stand out. That you just, man, the plot just allowed you to have fun. It was never boring. Right. Uh, but it was also never, you know, I didn't, I, you know, one of the ones we always go back to is hereditary. Like I watched hereditary, like I was studying for a, a, a final, you know, because I, <laughs> I was trying to see everything at no point during silver bullet did I ever go, I hope I'm not missing anything. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> it's like, hey, see the center. That's where all the action is. Right. Chief, yeah. Keep your eyes here. We got you, you know, and, and we, one of the reasons that this podcast is so incredible and that, that, that doing this with you, Dave, and, and everybody we bring on is everybody there. We, we say it's a horror movie podcast, which it is, but the, the, the span of what we can look at in this yeah. from, from hereditary to silver bullet and everything in between, you know, not even counting the bad ones that we still make ourselves watch. Like right. we, we, we still get so much out of these. And yeah, I think that, I think that when you're looking at the story, the plot of this, you get something that carries well, that's as interesting as it needs to be. And it's, it just has a good time with it. Yeah. And I, I think a lot mm-hmm. of the good time has to do with uh, Hannah, something you mentioned earlier, which is the characters in here, um, characters, actors. Um, I think that is like really like if, if we're looking at mixtures, right? If, we're, if, if we are mixologists and we are making drinks here or baristas, right? Because maybe not all our listeners are old enough to drink. Um, <laughs> we see you, Frank. 
Um, uh, that was actually directed specifically at Frank. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, um, (laughs) You have to come up with like ratios and percentages. I think there is an incredibly high ratio here of like character to like directly how good this movie is. So, um, Daniel, is there any character that jumped out at you as in like this guy rocked it or like, dude, this guy sucked me right out of the movie. Uh, So I don't, I'll tell you what I got. I got one for suck me out and then I've got one for, and then, and then I've got plenty for kept me in. So I'll start with, uh, I'll start with, with kept me in. I mean, Corey Haim is is just mm. great. You know, like when yeah. you go back and you, you see Corey Haim, he was he was good as that really innocent kid, you know, just as as everything he he did to it. He did his part well. He didn't take me out of it. I wasn't enthralled with him. I mean, when it comes down to it, what you're looking at here is Gary Busey. When Gary right. Busey's on screen, Gary Busey stole the show. That's what that that's that's what kept Gary Busey employed in the eighties, right? It was just giant teeth <laughs> and the ability to, to choose scenery and to command uh, what he was doing. So you, you got him and, and, and I'll leave Gary Busey for y'all because my favorite, honestly, was the fact that there were two roles in this one minor, one mid major that were, Oh man, I know that guy from where is it? And it took me a minute. <laughs> and that is at the very beginning of the movie, when we watch the guy um, who gets his head chopped off by the werewolf yeah. as he's driving the thing down the tracks, that was James Gammon from Major League. <laughs> oh, was it? Yes. The it was, coach? Yes, it was the coach from Major League. That was James Gammon. And, and it, was, it was plaguing me, right? Because I'm sitting there and I'm like, why do I know this voice? Why do I know this voice? Why do I know this voice? Yes, it was James Gammon, the coach, Lou Brown from Major League, right? So that one, that one got me at the jump because it just, it, I was obsessed with it. Like I did have to pause the movie while I just sat and thought because it was driving me insane. But then the other one is Terry O'Quinn. Terry oh, O'Quinn I, as I'm glad you mentioned him as as the sheriff. I dig Terry O'Quinn so much. Like the dude has done so many great things. If we're talking horror, he's done Stepfather. Like so, I yes. really hope we get to Stepfather at Fuck some yes. point. You know, like Terry O'Quinn is so good in that. But then he was he was John Locke and Lost, man. Yeah. And like, regardless of what you think about Lost and how the storytelling went, Terry O'Quinn was incredible in that. And so, um, but those two guys, like I said, yes, like James Gammon had a really small part, but it was just funny to me because. You just, like you said earlier about uh, some you're like like I know that guy from somewhere I know that guy from somewhere 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 you know you're it was this movie was full of those and those were the two that really stood out to me um, as far as like cameo type things you know uh, James Gammon or, I mean uh, Terry O'Quinn's part was a little bit bigger and I think he did a great job of really playing this you know just in way above his depth sheriff. Like all the shots of this town are obviously this is, you know, they tell us it's, you know, whatever town, Indiana. Right. But for, for all intents. It was actually the name of the town. It was whatever town. Yeah. I mean, well, and that's the thing because for, for all intents and purposes, this movie took place in any town, USA, right? right? Any small town, USA. Yes. This is, this is just 
here's a picture of what a monster like this can do to a small town. And what Terry O'Quinn brought to that performance was a guy who signed up for A, B, and C and is suddenly having to deal with a truckload of X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Like this is, you know, uh, it's very, it's very reminiscent. And I'm like going to throw- midnight mass. Yeah. Like in midnight mass or mm-hmm. um, more recently on my mind, because I'm rewatching uh, what Hopper had to go through in the first season of stranger yeah. things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in the first season of stranger things, Hopper's like the last important thing that happened was, you know, somebody's dog died or something like that. I don't remember exactly what he said, but it was, it, he, Terry O'Quinn is playing the same sheriff. He's a guy in a town where nothing ever happens. You know, the most the, the the most this dude's had to work is probably breaking up fights with the guy who starts shit at the, at bar. the bar. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like yeah. that's probably 85% of Terry O'Quinn's job. But the the character that he presents in this is a guy who's weighing over his head and eventually just comes to the realization that there's not a lot he can do. There's a lot of them and one of him. And that comment that he makes when the preacher shows up and uh, and God, I cannot, I wish I had written down exactly what he said, but he finally just washes his hands of them running the posse. And um, Uh, I I think it's, there's your community spirit. Yes, there it is. Yeah. Yeah, He goes, he goes, there's the community spirit that you're always preaching about. And he's just like, you know what, what am I going to do? Stop every one of them. They've all got guns, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, I think that he, in, in his very limited time presented a very interesting look at all of this, which is a guy tasked to be the one to help who has absolutely nothing to do because he's 1000% out of his depth. And there's something about the way that Terry O'Quinn acts that always makes that relatable. And I just, like I said, I just love the guy. And so I was so excited to see him and, and I had to, I had to make sure that I mentioned him. There's there's so much like breadth of, of of acting ability there. Like he's got such range. Yeah, uh, I, I'm a huge fan and not horror related at all. Uh, but I'm a huge fan of the movie The Rocketeer. Uh, and so uh, yeah, this is like one, one of the defining movies of of my childhood. And, yeah, and like he, like honestly, like I feel like as long as I've known you, I feel like The Rocketeer is seriously a cornerstone of like who you are. It really is, yeah. Like, um, uh, outside of horror, it's like Dick Tracy, The Rocketeer, um, and, and and then like a slew of sci-fi and fantasy. That's Fair um, and 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 noir films, just like all the Humphrey Bogart and James Cagney movies. Um, so uh, he plays Howard Hughes, yes, in in The Rocketeer, and he does so so well, and he's just like. He, he plays him not like any Howard Hughes that ever really existed. Right? <laughs> he's he's like this nice guy, this genuinely good guy, right? And we kind of see like a variation of that, but like a little more heavy handed here, which is at odds with what we see in John Locke and Lost, which is very different from what we see in the Stepfather movies. So like there is a like a yeah, huge yeah, yeah. range of 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 ability there. I'm glad you brought him up. Yeah. Uh, Hannah, what about you? I mean, I've got to go with the obvious, Gary Busey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, I'm, I don't know. I really wish I have, would have read the cycle of the werewolf because mm-hmm. is the uncle in 
the book anything like the movie because I'm pretty sure that Gary Busey just goes in and plays himself. Uh, that's I have to you know imagine. I I had that same thought. I was like, either this role was written for Gary Busey, or, or they didn't follow the book. <laughs> yeah. Um, any time that it shows him, he's got the bottle of wild turkey. Um, yes. He's telling the inappropriate drunk jokes to his eleven year. That was actually nephew. his bottle of wild turkey. He just come <laughs> on that with it, and yeah. no one had the balls to yeah, tell yeah. him. Like, turns hey, out, if you try to take it from him, he actually bites you, and yeah. nobody's willing to mess with that. And then you turn right. into a uh, a wear busey. Right, and I just and only it. a couple of those get to be in the Hawaii Five O remake. <laughs> Oh God, no! That's not that's not even Gary Busey's kid. That's Scott Kahn's kid. I, that is I Scott Kahn. Joke all of yeah. I I, I I I was just like I don't know what that was. I was I I did I did I did the wrong kids uh, the the wrong adult actor's kid is what happened yeah. there. Yeah. Thank thank you, Basil Hayden. Well, I I just wanted like that to be my uncle. Like, I don't have the fun yeah. drunk uncle that builds me a motorcycle. And also, how come there were not more motorcycles, wheelchairs built after this? Outright? Maybe you're the 80s kids a lot smarter <laughs> than we are these days. Because if this would have came out, I'm pretty sure they would have had to put, like, the jackass disclaimer on there. Like, <laughs> do not build your paraplegic nephew a like 60 mile an hour motorcycle because he outran the preacher's car in that thing. Yeah. So, I mean, it's trucking. Um, but yeah, I just really, I loved Gary Busey. I wanted him to be my uncle. I'm pretty sure that's him as a person being himself. And he did yeah. great. Well, I, I, a quick, a quick search here is showing me that they at least changed his name um, <laughs> from, from uncle Al to uncle red. So I'm, I'm, I am at this point willing to believe that you're 100% right. And that they were just like, all right, Gary, like here's the framework. Right. But go be this kid's uncle. Right. <laughs> and he just went in and was himself. Apparently. Yeah. He, he did. Wild turkey. Exactly. He just like the, it was, the, the and the fact that the mom is just kind of like there, right? And she's yeah. like, he's he's telling the jokes. The mom is like, uh, I should stop that, but <laughs> you know, like, like, but she but, okay. but there's also something really cool in in that aspect of it of the mom who knows how highly um, that, that her son holds this uncle, and to tear him down in front of the son would would destroy this image of what he has and the image she has is very different so she doesn't want to do any damage to what he believes like this is this is a kid who thinks his uncle red hung the moon and right. she doesn't want to tear that up because she says you know he's got what well, she says something like he's he's already got so many disadvantages or so There's, many things the against, world him. against him the world's something. against yeah. him like when's the day that he's going to decide it's not worth it or something like right. that and so to take red from him would be would, would just be a travesty because that's one of the few things he has. So just to to have the mom who's willing to put up with what Gary BC brought in this role is also awesome. I know we're supposed to be talking about Gary BC, but I was really just rewatching it and I'm like, man, he does love his nephew. I give you that, but he gave him fireworks to go out and shoot while there's a serial killer in town. He's yep. two super fast wheelchairs. Um, I mean, does he maybe a little too much wild turkey? I don't know. Like, I just oh, don't is think there's a good idea. Is there such a thing? There's shit. Um, 
Yes. From personal experience, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say yes, there is a such thing as too much wild turkey. Um, let's you know, let's just be happy that that social media did not exist in the totality that it does now. Yeah. Back when I was discovering whether or not there was a such thing as too much wild turkey. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there is anyone that I really did not like, but I don't. I, I've got I, I've got I one. one. Okay, okay, you you go first, I, Dave, because I've already I, gone. And if, I, if it's not the same one, I'll throw mine one. Um, So Megan follows as Jane Kozlow. Uh, yeah. Kozlow. Um, I found her totally unlikable. Um, <laughs> she is... Um, she's an awful sister. She's yeah. a... She, I, she's she's a terrible sister. Like, she's she's got this brother who, like, obviously needs, like, some extra attention right and i you'd imagine that at her age what is she 16 right like she's at best uh like she, she understands this right and she like she bickers with him as if she was like seven years old eight years old and like she affords him like no allowances right um she blames him for his friend Brady did yeah. stuff and she gets mad at her brother like it's how is he responsible when the when the kid got up in a tree <laughs> yeah he's up <laughs> in a tree yeah what is Corey Haim gonna do once the kid's up in a tree <laughs> right so I, I I found her just to 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 be totally unlikable um how about the she, last line in the movie? It's like I never could tell him I loved him before this. <laughs> um, I, I honestly I hated the voiceover. Yeah, the voiceover uh, was it rough. Was, it was uh, it, it was a little much. It didn't need the voiceover. Um, hate is a strong word. I don't know if I hated the voiceover. I didn't need the voiceover. Right. Um, I, I, I'll say that. I, I don't think there's anything about the movie I hated, um, including her. I didn't hate her. Um, I, I just thought I was like, God, what a shit sister. I'm glad that my <laughs> sister wasn't, wasn't like that, you know? Um, and, uh, and I, I, I mean, I was an asshole, you know? So, um, like I, I would have deserved it if my sister hated me. Um, and, uh, and she didn't, doesn't, you know? Right. So, um, so that I, I just, yeah, I was like, God, you suck. You kind of yeah. saw him though when no one else believed him and like went out looking for the one that is man. true. Yeah, Th but that is true. Then, and there, she was there, and there, there was that one sweet moment where he comes in uh to her bedroom after the 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 festival or whatever it was, right. and you know, he he gives her like you know, just shy of three bucks, and she says, I I, I can get a pair of pantyhose for for a dollar forty nine, and she gives it to him, and you know, so there's you know, there's something there. Uh, which, which to me makes it almost even worse because it's not like it's not like she's innately a terrible person. It's that she either chooses to be, or she simply at at you know her age has not learned any self control. Right. Which is like, well, don't be such a fucking brat, you know? Right. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, her. Um, as as far as who I really enjoyed, we we've talked Gary Busey, we've talked Terry O'Quinn. So I'm gonna go Everett McGill. Um, I mean, he is so sinister in this movie. Oh my right. god, 
Down he's, to the, the jawline, man. Like, how did anybody not look at this face. dude and know he's a werewolf? Like, that, that, he that is bad like guy jawline. Yes. Like, like as soon as I was like, oh, this guy's the werewolf, then I was like, well, look at the jawline. Of course he's like, yeah. look at that shit. Like, yeah. that, that it, dude it, is chiseled. If it, if it was a, a werewolf, it would have bit you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, he's uh, he's he's got that face, and he plays it well. Um, I think he did a pretty convincing job early on. Um, you know, to be the, you know, the nice guy preacher, you know, who the town goes to for, um, you know, spiritual direction to, you know, for bereavement and all that. And and then when it's discovered, he's just like, well, you know, I'm not only a werewolf, I'm also a shitbag as a human. But pious, <laughs> I, um, and that's I, I, on, honestly that that added such a a dynamic to his character yes. that like he really truly believed that he was saving these people's souls. Like I, I, one of the things that I love about um, good villains is that good villains truly believe in what it is that they're doing. And I think that he really truly believes in what he's doing. I was yeah. The one thing I was confused about though, I mean, I can kind of understand a lot of them, but really is breaking curfew, like a sin big enough to die <laughs> for the kid. Because what else did he do? Other than or, stay out past Or curfew? just walking out to your own greenhouse. <laughs> <laughs> he was a drunk. Okay, yeah, you're he, right. He was a drunk. Was a drunk. I think he was like kind of uh, maybe abusive to Corey. I, I got that vibe. Yeah. yeah. I feel like you're just stereotyping him because he likes wrestling and I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> 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 no, um, but the kid, what did the kid do other than fly his kite after dark? <laughs> uh well, I'm I'm actually going to uh interject here because Ooh, do it, Dave. He was, uh, uh, what was it, Brady? Brady, Brady. Right? Um, Brady was a pretty shit kid, all right? <laughs> Is that a sin? Now, uh, I'm, I'm not saying that he deserves death. I don't think any one of these people deserve death. But if we are looking at behavior here, um, if this was in the 80s, I'm, it, it, as it was, I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, – but. A firm talking to would not have been enough for Brady. Uh, he he definitely needed a spanking. Uh, so, um, um, I mean, as this wasn't a Catholic priest, I'm sure that that's not what he was <laughs> I knew into. it. God damn it. I knew it. Said spanking. I was like, you, saw how, you saw how I set that comes. up? Yeah. yeah, set and spike for myself. Um, uh, that was so. Uh, so, so what do really. you do? You maul him to death. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we all know what the other option was Look, while you're in the in the category of brady my character who took me out was actually not the same as yours oh okay the one guy whose acting was just so bad that i was completely sucked out of the movie was the guy who played Brady's dad, Kent Broadhurst as Herb Kincaid. Herb. Really? I had to go look that up. Man, the my son was torn to shreds. Like that whole <laughs> shit. Like, like now don't get me wrong. I, I I wrote this down and I was going to talk about this before he did deliver like what was a very heartfelt monologue right before the posse shot, say, shot out into the woods. Yeah. Many his, articles about his monologue. Yes. Like the the I, yeah. the initial the initial presentation of Herb Kincaid was miserable. Like mm. it was just it was awful. 
But by the time he's in the bar, and yes, like when he delivers that monologue, I will say he was redeemed in that moment. <laughs> um, because that, that monologue he gives is, is really, really good. Um, mm. But just, God, like that first time he talked, I mean, down to the time when he just like shows up at the bar, he's like, has anybody seen my son? And I'm like, yo, fuck this dude. Like, okay, that was, was rough. That was yeah. rough. <laughs> also, then, you raised this boy. Yeah, right? exactly. And we just talked about what a piece of shit he was. Right. Yeah, it's like, you know, uh, well, your shithead kids flying a kite at night. So <laughs> yeah. I'm not I'm not victim blaming. I'm just saying he could have prepared himself better. Right. And James, like, <laughs> their parents are mad that Corey Haim's not home, but no one really cares. Brady's still out there. <laughs> Can we talk for a second about the upper body strength that is presented that Corey Haim has? <laughs> right. So we're showing that Corey Haim's bedroom is on the second story. <laughs> we're, we're constantly reminded that Corey Haim's legs don't work. And I'll give you that a teenage boy might be able to lower himself down a trellis with yeah. just his arms. But he gets back into his room <laughs> through the window on the second floor in a hurry. Right. Adrenaline. Much like cocaine is a hell of a drug, <laughs> right. but that's there. There's an intense amount of body strength that it requires to climb a trellis with just your arms and shoulders, and then sling yourself into your bedroom. I think that might be where my my disbelief was suspended the most. It's like I don't, mm, nope, <laughs> not for a, that's it. It's right there. Here. Werewolf movie. I'm like, not for a second do I believe that Corey Haim just uh, just campus that trellis with arms and shoulders alone. Fuck this dude. I rock climbed for years and couldn't do that. Practice does make perfect. We don't know how many times he has snuck out to his neighbor's house. Maybe that's why her drunk, abusive father doesn't like him hanging around. It's right. not because he's crippled, but it's because he goes over there. And does God knows what with his daughter. I'm just yeah. telling you from knowing people that could have done that, dude would have busted out of them shitty little polos that he was wearing. <laughs> <laughs> so as we're talking characters, and we've we've hinted at it, we've talked about Everett McGill, but we've got to make that we've got to we've got to make that transition and we've got to talk to werewolf now unless i'm forgetting one dave i believe this is the first werewolf movie just straight up werewolf movie that we've done on shiver correct i believe so i don't think we've done any other one so which is, so, which is like i'm glad is, that we're doing this you know right. but uh yeah wow i can't believe that that's so happening. when we're, we're looking at a werewolf movie the, the mythology of the werewolf is is as old as time itself there, there's it's always difficult to create something new within the werewolf genre. So how did Stephen King take the idea of the werewolf, kind of make it his own? And like, uh, what did you think about the werewolf as a monster in this movie, Hannah? I don't know if it was really Stephen King that made this, but um, I mean, this werewolf has an agenda. Um, he's trying mm -hmm. to save sinners. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, you know, most werewolves, like you said earlier, they, they're the werewolf or the man. And no time is there like a separation in this movie. The preacher always knows he's the werewolf. The werewolf is mainly the preacher, except obviously on the night of the full moon when he's mainly the beast or whatever they say. Right. Um, other, I've never seen that in any other movie. Um 
this the only the real Stephen King things about this movie is you know small town mm-hmm. only kids apparently are the ones everybody else think it's a crazy man only the kids are the ones like hey there's a werewolf and that is that is a Stephen King trope to a T yeah. like and, um, just a group of kids because they can see and believe right and then the werewolf oh so David I know you said earlier. The man that made this werewolf is great. But, yeah, I feel like it didn't hold for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I don't want to say what everybody else, it looks like a bear, but it's not very yeah. scary. I don't think it looks like a bear, but I don't think it also, I don't, I don't think it looks like a werewolf. <laughs> I don't really know what it is, and I read a lot about it. They didn't have a lot of time to do this. And I think they were trying to do a little too much with this. They had like uh, machines moving the ears and the eyes. And the, and I feel like if they uh, would have maybe not gone so complicated, they could have got a better werewolf. Like the fan art is terrifying. <laughs> yes. On our, in- on our Instagram, I posted the cover of like a Blu-ray release of it that was right. like, one of the most metal movie covers I've ever seen. <laughs> like, I immediately texted it to Dave, and I was like, look at this shit. Right. It's super scary. And then you see the werewolf in the movie, and the thing that haunts me about this werewolf in the movie is every time he's about to attack and it shows his eyes, it's like a red light across the whole yes. face. It's not his eyes. It's just like it's, they shine a red light on this werewolf mask. But... um. Yeah, so I, I wish they would have been able to spend more time. I, I can't remember why they didn't spend more time on it. Uh, I think it was a lot of different people. Maybe, I, I don't know. I read some stuff and now I can't remember why they waited to the end to just make the werewolf, which should probably be one of the most important things in the werewolf movie. <laughs> Um, from from what I read, the the producer of the movie, uh, Dino De Laurentiis, um, was really unhappy with the design of the werewolf. Uh, but the director and the the special effects artist really liked what they had designed and created, and so they refused to budge. They started filming the movie and did not film any of the werewolf scenes until it was signed off on. And uh, so eventually it it got to a point where they kind of had the producer in a in a corner and they were like, well, you either like approve it or what we've shot is money down the drain. And he was like, "Okay, so I so so I guess I'm approving this. Um, And (laughs) and yeah, he was he was never happy with it. Um, I think there is kind of like a black bear thing going on with it. You know, a uh, slap a slap a red T-shirt on it, and you've got a very angry Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> um, Blood and honey. We'll be doing that one next year, I'm sure. Yeah, oh yes, oh yes, we will. Um, I personally really like what they did here, and and I and I also agree with you. I think that they did try to do too much as far as like animatronics go, right? In in the wolf because the eyes move, the mouth moves, the ears move, like everything is remote. And the thing is that it like in the eighties, special effects were progressing at 
such an incredible rate that like each horror movie was trying to outdo the last one. Yeah. And so at in, in 1981, you've got an American werewolf in London. And I think that was the last like big werewolf movie before this one. Mm-hmm. If, if there's another one in between, um, I, I, I can't think of it right now, but like that movie really raised the bar for werewolves. Uh, because before then, I think, uh, it, it, I'm thinking it's probably uh, like mid 1960s with with the Hammer Horror Werewolf. Yeah, I was gonna say Hammer Hammer Horror Werewolf is the first one I go to outside of Universal Monster. It's it's funny because it's it's such a prevalent thing in the the world of horror literature, but possibly because of the difficulty of a transition scene and stuff like that, mm-hmm. I feel like it's not something that's that's approached. I mean, because even when you go forward from this, you look at, you know, uh, uh, like we, we said American Werewolf in London was before this, but American Werewolf in Paris. Yep. Um, and then, but you, you just keep going forward and they're few and far between. There'll be movies with werewolves in them. But I mean, until you get to like, this, and I'm sure, look, listeners, I'm sure I'm skipping a bunch, but the next one that stands out for me is Dog Soldiers. And that yep. was early 2000s. That's I mean, a that, scary werewolf too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh shit yeah <laughs> let's not forget werewolf cop oh my fucking god werewolf cop what yeah. a goddamn movie jeff jeff got me to watch werewolf cop and uh and it's not that i'll never forgive him for it it's just that <laughs> <laughs> it's just that i'll never forget that he's the one who made me watch it uh when it that's, comes that's to- kind of par for the course with uh with jeff <laughs> <laughs> he, he loves those kinds of movies when it comes to the werewolf in this movie i mean i i think that we got some we got some cool the werewolf i think that you guys have hit the nail on the head i think that we got some cool transition effects in the church scene i think that we got some lackluster transition effects after he's shot and goes back into being um in, into being the priest but at the okay, beginning yes but I saw that as a callback to the old Universal Monster movies because okay. the way the way that it was done was exactly the same way that um, uh, Jack Pierce used to do those special effects for the Universal Monsters. So it was kind of just like you mark where the the actor is going to be, you apply makeup or take off makeup, right, and then you put them back. You shoot and then lather rinse repeat <laughs> okay fair enough but i i think that in the church scene i think that we really got some great transition effects i think that we got a really good idea for you know like how good the special effects could be but i think that when we're really looking at the werewolf as a character here i think that the aspects of this that we have to take away from it are some of the things that we've talked about the fact that He's a werewolf all the time. He mm-hmm. can turn into, you know, it's not a full moon that turns him, even though it, it's never really established whether or not it's like a conscious decision, right? Like, look, I've only read the first Twilight book and watched the first Twilight book. I know Dick about Jacob, right? But I'm pretty sure that he can turn into a werewolf, like a wolf, just whenever the fuck he wants. On command. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, I believe, right? Like, 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 lycanthropy in, in Twilight is. It's like a gift, not a curse, right? And so it's, 
I don't know that he turned into a werewolf every night or if he could choose when he did it because as Hannah pointed out, he was, he had a mission. He was this very right. pious werewolf. Mm -hmm. So it does seem that he could control it and was just smart enough to no, only do uh, it. Let's at say self-righteous. I don't know about oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, are those we didn't words? talk about it earlier. Well, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't talk about it earlier. He could turn into the werewolf, but you know, towards the end of the movie, he went a little crazy too. Yeah, he, he was. He was he losing was like, it. I would never kill a little boy, but uh, I got yeah, to. But also, <laughs> fuck this little boy, right? <laughs> there's, there's, there's also the implication uh, at the end of the the nightmare sequence when he wakes up, right? Uh, I think he says something like, "Please let it end." Yeah. Right. So like this is a curse. Um, we don't know how we got this curse. Maybe okay. he doesn't even know how he how he was cursed with this. Right. Um, and and so I, I think that there is a sense that he's not 100 percent in control of himself when he is the werewolf. But maybe there's um, a sense that he, he might be able to guide the werewolf form like where to go. Right. Or, I mean, he's that he wants the i guess the preacher wanted to attack right the were, the him. werewolf still understood the preacher's grudges the werewolf knew right. that those kids <laughs> were what stood in the preacher's way of continuing right. his self-righteous journey yeah. and so but and but that is a big disconnect from you know usually the werewolf movie is dude wakes up and he's like oh god why do i feel like shit? i slept all night yeah. why am i naked where are my pants <laughs> yeah right like that's standard werewolf fare but like yeah for for those thoughts and memories to transfer do you back think he's like peter parker and keeps like backpacks stashed throughout the town <laughs> with like spare underwear <laughs> so that when, when he like transforms back to um his human self he's like well i don't want to walk around with my dong out so uh so let let, let me let me put on well, some I clothes well while that is fantastic to imagine <laughs> i do think that the that the understanding here is that he's self-aware enough as the werewolf that once his business is done he just heads back to the house and then and goes to bed naked, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. It's Work not ever done. more than, than one killing a night. It's like, I got an right. agenda yeah. for the night. This is what I got to go do. And when I'm done, I'm going home. <laughs> there, there's not even a point in printing on an itinerary. Right. Yeah. Where would he keep it, for starters? Right. Exactly. Yeah. He's, he's just got to walk around holding it the whole time. Now he's only got one claw. Come on. <laughs> only 50% is effective. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, I, I, I do think that the the coolest thing about this werewolf is the the mythology of it. The fact yeah. that it is handled in such a different way. This isn't just an animal, right. which, um, you know, in the past, werewolves um, have been used to represent that animalistic side of, of humans. And um, to uh wow i can't believe i'm gonna say this since you brought it up to twilight's credit um <laughs> it um it, it it kind of are, handles you hear that, that in a different way Missy, are you listening <laughs> um and listen i i'm the guy who read all four twilight books specifically you read all four? So i read yeah, all four yeah. specifically so that i can combat the twilight fans i read um, one i read one because i was like this is a phenomenon i need to be a part of it and then i was like hand them out <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm gonna be honest here and and uh, and and you can give me all the grief you want. I don't think the first book story is that bad. Now the the actual literature is a 
atrocious. Okay, there it's, we go. Stephanie like, Meyer cannot write. Right. Sixth it, grade it's, level. I mean, the words are this big on the page. It's it's yeah, crazy. It's, it's it, terrible. It, it, for a it, third it is, grader. Right, right, right. Um, and 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 that's um for like those low performing third graders, the, right. the ones, the ones, the ones that you target to try to get them to pass the state test. Right. You know. Um. So uh, uh, my thing's dying here. I might have to switch to my phone soon. Um. So um, that's the the first book though. Everything after that is just pure garbage. <laughs> and it's it, it's it's all either Ooh, you okie doked us there. Yeah, it's all either ripped off from Anne Rice or um or from like standard like monster lore and it's Mixed just with like 50 shades but animalistic 50 shades. Because it was unless I'm 100% wrong here, it was no. originally 50 shades fanfic. It is no, a set. It's a set other, other other way around. Fifty oh. Shades of Grey started as fan fiction of. Twilight. Oh, ain't that uh. some shit? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There were vampires in Fifty Shades of Grey <laughs> originally, and then they were like, "Hey, we want to buy this piece of shit," and they were like, "Okay, well, let me just change the characters, and here you go." I love the idea yeah. of a vampire who's been around long enough that just drinking blood and normal sex isn't good enough. <laughs> it's like look i have done it all I like, don't... if you don't let me beat your ass i can't get it up <laughs> i don't want that day to come <laughs> oh boy not that right. rice didn't have bdsm vampires uh but... no 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 i mean she pretty much created it um yeah. uh i take that back lefano created that with carmilla doesn't get enough credit here we right? go uh, and we we will do uh, the you, Karnstein you, trilogy. You brought this one up on Geek More when we did vampire movies. Yeah, I I did <laughs> I did because Lefanu does not get enough credit for it. Uh, I love Bram Stoker, but uh, not the originator. Uh, okay. okay, so um, before we we move on to ratings. We do have one more thing to cover. We yes. talked a little bit about this guy. I know we just said that maybe his werewolf wasn't the greatest thing ever, but mm-hmm. the special effects in this movie, um, this is 80s. This is the height of practical special effects. Do do you think that back when they came out, they were good? Maybe state-of-the-art, maybe not. Do they hold up today? Do they still look impressive or did they not look impressive in the first place hannah i think the makeup and the transitioning whoever did that you know going from human to werewolf like the whole church congregation you know that weird transformation that's Mm -hmm. kind of scary and so whoever did that is very impressive um yeah that's carlo rimbaldi yeah and but the werewolf does not stand up no. <laughs> no. no, I mean it's it's a fair assessment, right? Like if you're just looking at the werewolf, no. But when you're looking at some of the stuff, I mean the 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 head laying on the railroad tracks at the beginning looks good. I mean, oh, that was just a clean good. swipe. I yeah, mean, the whole head yeah. Just... and just and just 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 the model head itself. I mean, it, it looks mm-hmm. good. You know, like very uh, easy for those to look awful. Yes. Yeah. Right. I mean, but when it when if, if I had to boil this down to like, here's one scene where a combination of practical effects and camera work played out perfectly, it's when he murders the woman who's about to commit suicide. Yes, yes. the bedroom. It's that, climbing up the terrace. 
Yes. Door on her hands, leg? hands down, the scariest scene in this movie. That and you're absolutely right, Hannah. It starts with that amazing POV of climbing like the trellis, mm -hmm. and you just get like the werewolf hands. But you know, we always talk about those moments that make you wince, right? Because we mm -hmm. do this a lot. And we we always say that, or at least I always say it's like gross bodily harm <laughs> always affects me more than just like death, right? right? Like getting your head cut off is like, whoop, well, at least you didn't feel it, right? You know, right. but watching both of those hands just rake down and, and just destroy her back and her legs and the, the blood splattering, like far and away the goriest scene in the movie. Yeah, I felt and, that. Yes, yeah. and that was the scene that that made you that made me sit up, right? Like that was the one that made me mm -hmm. tight. Um, you, you get some other really good stuff here. The the church scene, the uh, when the dude is in his own when he's in his greenhouse. And the werewolf like makes the hole and the two by four Oof. stabs him in the stomach. Mm -hmm. you, get Fantastic. Some, you get some really good stuff. And I think that for 85, for just, you know, like when we're looking at a pinnacle of practical effects, I think that this movie holds its own against a lot of things that we could talk about that were released in this time. And, you know, we've, we've, we've done the talk. Yes, this was the twilight of Carlo Rivaldi's career. I, I mean, I believe this is the last thing listed on his filmography. Yeah, like this was definitely the end, but the dude was still out there throwing haymakers. And when they landed, they landed big. Right. And sometimes that's all it takes. You know, um, Hannah and I are from Alabama and I don't know if Hannah follows him or not, but we got Deontay Wilder around here. That's a right. boxer that, that we all love. That's a hometown boy who built a whole mm -hmm. career off landing one punch. You know, yeah. and he and that's what that's what that's what Carlo did in this last movie. He was like, look, I got four good punches and I'm going to throw them hard as fuck. Like the rest, <laughs> the, the rest of the movie, I'm going to bob weave and hope nobody notices that it wasn't that good. But yeah. I'm going to throw those four and y'all are going to feel them. And you did. Yeah. In those moments, you really, really felt well, that. The last 14 minutes, like you said, I mean, yeah. that's a lot too. Um. I don't remember who mentioned it earlier, but when he was going from werewolf back to preacher, it's still, it's not to all. Oh, uh, he we, we knew this might happen. You keep yeah. talking. We'll catch him up. Um, he, uh, it's still a lot of special, all the hair sucks back yeah. into his arms. Um, the preachers, it doesn't look as great going from werewolf to human, but it's still a lot of cool special effects to go well, back. And I mean that that scene to to maintain the fact that he still only had the one eye from mm -hmm. catching the bottle rocket, and then to get shot in the other, and so like those those little things like that. Plus that scene was just so insanely intense. Mm -hmm. Like for for all of the the the, the brevity that this movie had in, in keeping it light and, and stuff like that. That last scene had you on the edge of your seat when when Corey Haim drops the bullet down in the in the the vent and he's having to reach down there and it's 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 his sister and his uncle trying to just fight off a werewolf while he gets because they've only got the one bullet right you know and he's so he's trying to reach down in there and get it what we got was this this really great tense scene where 
we're presented with kind of the best and the worst of the special effects at the same time. He takes the shot to the eye. We get the reverse. All of that is kind of hit and miss. Let's see if I can get Dave back in here real quick. There's there Dave. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Sorry so about we, that. We were, we were just talking about the special effects like in the last scene. but uh, And so you kind of get the best and the worst of it because you get the the werewolf with all its animatronics that's kind of meh, meh. But then he you grabs get Wayne's head and it's kind of moving. <laughs> right. But then but then you get some good stuff with the yeah. with the transformation back. Yeah. Yeah, I um those those special effects I think throughout the movie. Um and particularly the deaths, I think that he knocks it out of the park with with the de- uh, those death scenes. Every single one that you guys talked about and um even I don't know. You know, I, fuck it. I, I like the werewolf. All right. Uh, he's, he's, not, he's not my favorite werewolf. All right. right. It's, it's it, like, like everyone has a favorite Godzilla, you know, um, like my, my favorite Godzilla is it's not the original. It's, it's the one from the mid two thousands. Uh, it's movie. not the about, original the actual suit, the actual suit, the original Godzilla suits, not my favorite. It's it's the one from uh, Tokyo SOS and oh um, okay and uh, okay, Godzilla okay. against Mecha Godzilla Th- those two they shared a design and that design was like stellar it was so good like he's beefy he's bulky right um, it's not the 1985 Godzilla which is a little derpy looking but I still like it you know and that's t- to me that's what this is here you know this this isn't an American werewolf in London. That is the pinnacle of werewolf design. It doesn't get better than that. It's not my go-to. Like I said, my, I mean, I think Lon Chaney Jr. When I think werewolf. Fair. But I like this, you know, he's, he's, he's like, um, like if, if you're a household that's got two dogs, right. You got that one dog that you really love. (laughs) Then you've got that, that, that other dog that like, Love is a strong word to describe <laughs> the bond you have with that creature, but but it is a word to describe what you've got with that creature. That's how I feel about this. You know, it's uh, I like it. I like it. Well, I'm I'll give you that if that werewolf or is outside my door, it's gonna scare me. There we I go. Mean, I'm, yeah. I'm not gonna yeah. approach it and be like, hmm, this looks like a bear. No. Yeah, exactly. If I, open my, if I open my back door and he's out there, I'm like, hey, fuck you, right? Like, if I see that one, yeah, I'm still scared. Yeah, I, that, scared. That, that's a really I ain't got point. no honey. Yeah, Take like, you know, broke ass home. It's interesting. That's that's a really funny way to look at Like, I like that a lot. I, I That's something. No, like, honestly, like, that's not something I approach this podcast from a lot, which is like, because we're always looking at everything from this perspective of everything we've seen, it is tough to sometimes, you know, like we did puppet master, right. And it was like, it's like, ah, these things are kind of a joke, but also um, (laughs) if a puppet with a blade on its hand was trying to fuck with me, I'd be like, yo, this is scary. So (laughs) that's, that, that is, that is a good take. I like that. But while we're, so, so while we're talking about, you know, just, just best werewolves and we're comparing, it's time that we get to the point in the show where we rate this movie. Now, while we have talked about this werewolf versus other werewolves, it is important to remember that here at Shiver, we only rate a movie against itself, which is why for every movie, we come up with a unique rating system that applies only to that movie. 
because it's just not fair to compare them to each other. And as we've been doing for Summer Fan Fest, we leave it up to the guest to come up with what the rating system's going to be. So, Hannah, out of a possible what are we rating tonight? Well, I have to explain my choice real quick, though. Um, <laughs> I thought I would say silver bullets, but, man, that's just everywhere, Wolf. Howls, right. everywhere, Wolf. So we're going to go, and I, when we talked about this before, it was mentioned somewhere else, but I would have came up with it myself. So we're going to go out of broken peacemakers. Excellent. It's that's it. So, so Hannah, yeah. out of a possible five broken peacemakers, what do you give Silver Bullet? Four. Four out of five. <laughs> 4.5 out of five. Oh, you're going four and a oh, half? Okay. You're going nice. four and a okay. half. Okay. Okay. So, we're going I'm, four and a half peacemakers. Any particular reason? Like, what, what, what set it above four, but below five for you? Okay. So, I want to say, I can't say that it's a five out of five because it does have a little, I mean, there are some things that, you know, the voiceover, you know, um, some things that could have been better. But it's entertaining. It's got comedy, like comedic relief. It's got great characters. Like I said, it may not be scary now. I'm not going to watch it. and It's going to keep me up at night. But you know what? I'm still probably not going to go stand out in the woods at night after watching this movie <laughs> and being like, mm, I hope nothing's watching me. So I mean, it's probably it's still, not a good idea anyway. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah. in the back of my mind, after watching this, it's probably more of a werewolf versus Tuscaloosa these days. It's probably like a <laughs> I don't know. Um, so yeah, five. The the point that it's lacking is it it doesn't scare me. Fair, I guess, as an adult. Um, but uh, it's a great movie. It just I'm I'm entertained. It's funny. It does have some parts that are kind of scary. I told you maybe it's just the way they shoot the the werewolf watching you and then nobody knows that it's watching you and that's kind of creepy. Right, but um, I mean all of that is important. You know, like that that's you know for for as much as the jump scare is right. is important, the the psychology of building a scare is, is also important. So right. I I don't I don't Absolutely. think that that you you can take anything away from it for that. So you so we are doing a 5 out of 5 peacemakers. Or no, no, no. I'm just I no no no. This, this, this is this is you. Are you saying 4 out of 5 or are you saying No, I'm five? going 4.5 okay. out of 5. I think okay. it could some of the parts that were, you know, the comedic relief the one kill out in the woods where it kind of looks like the guy he's backing him and it kind of looks like he's melting yes like it shows like half his face and it really does it it doesn't look like he got knocked off it literally looks like he's melting and i'm like oh okay so yes that's why i'm giving it a four out of 4.5 out of five all right dave how many peacemakers out of five ma'am uh, so I'm going to go four broken peacemakers out of five. Um, I really, really enjoyed this. And um, I wish I could remember when it was that I saw this uh, because there's, I, I, I want to say that there's a good third of this movie where I was like, Oh, I remember this. And Oh, I remember that. So I, um, and, and in a good way, like it wasn't like, Oh, this shit again right Right. so um it was it it was really good i i also really enjoy when a horror movie isn't particularly scary but is one that i can enjoy with my kid um that's i love being able to bond with 
my son over stuff like that. Um, like he hadn't seen Goonies in quite a while. And I threw oh, it on man. the other day. I made my kid watch Goonies last summer. Yeah, I mean it's it's the perfect summer movie. It's you so know. Good. Um, and uh, you know, the, the pirates and all this stuff, and like we just sat there and like were there a lot of questions flung my way? Yeah. yeah. Um, did I want to just sit there with a bowl of popcorn and eat? Also, yeah. <laughs> but did I but did I enjoy answering his questions so that we can enjoy this movie together? For a third time, yeah, you yeah. know. So I and 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 I like that about these sort of horror movies, you know. And I love that you know it's just scary enough for him to cuddle up next to me, you know. These these are the kinds of horror movies that horror young horror fans need to kind of break into the genre because you're you're not going to put on for someone as a first horror movie. You're 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 not going to put on Hereditary or Midsommar. You know, that, I mean, you're going to scare them off. You right. need a way, you need, uh, literally going to scare them off. Yeah, no, you, 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 possibly off the earth. <laughs> yeah, so like you, you need a way to break them in. And I think this is one of those like perfect starter horror movies. And for, for those of us that enjoy a bit of nostalgia with everything, whether it's with your cup of coffee in the morning or with your Netflix or with your music, whatever it is like this movie has just loads of nostalgia. And um, this, th this is a time before I existed because it came out in 85 and I was born in 87. And yet I, I, I feel like, like it perfectly uh, encapsulates a, a moment in my childhood because I, I, I feel like until about like 1995, 96, like when, when the internet starts to creep into our lives, mm -hmm. like we, we, we still kind of existed in this bubble. And, yeah. and, 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 and it, those were my summers, you know, biking around and finding shit to do. Yeah. And, and, and I love it for that. So, uh, you know, uh, Martin and his freakishly strong torso, um, uh, un un Uncle Red and and his uh, you know, <laughs> his wild turkey his, to the head, his his wild his turkey, wild yeah, um, and uh, fuck it, and the preacher and his awesome werewolf, they 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 get a four out of five. Look, I, I don't think that anything you guys have said is wrong. I'm going to sit happily on a four, four broken peacemakers with this. I mean, I didn't know what to expect from this movie. Like we said at the top, there's, there's, there's good Stephen King movies and there's bad Stephen King movies. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not looking forward to the day when somebody's like, Hey, are y'all going to do dream catcher? You know, because, <laughs> oh. you know, but this one, this one worked. I'm gonna be washing I, my hair that day. <laughs> I uh, this one worked, you know. Like I said, you, you're working, you're working with the idea of the Stephen King novella. You're working with the idea of Stephen King's got a kind of fucked up sense of humor, and sometimes right. it comes across right, sometimes it doesn't. And in this movie, in this movie, they nailed it. And what we got here was a lot of fun. We got mm -hmm. a bunch of memorable characters. We got, you know. We we got some we got some gore we got some special effects that were great we got a lot of really good things here and I think that Dave you're right introductory I think that this is a widely enjoyable horror movie mm -hmm. I think that sometimes those things that we look for that make such a great horror movie like 
you know, we 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 kind of we we tend to stand things hold up against currently what is like the Candyman like uh, you know idea of excellence. But I can also understand why somebody might watch Candyman and not think it's everything we think it is, right? But yeah. I think that when you look at Silver Bullet here, what you get is a movie that can universally be loved for everything that it is and the things that it isn't. You know, down to the fact that like it opens and closes with such like a cheesy ass song that like doesn't fit the movie at <laughs> all. Like everything in between those two playings of the songs uh, don't make any sense compared to those. But I think that what you get here is something that's never presented as something that it's not, uh, which is, I think, something really important in a horror movie. I think that you need to be very upfront with your audience about what the movie is. And I think that Silver Bullet never was pulled the wolf in sheep's clothing thing. It was never, um, you know, a, a, a subpar horror movie touting itself as art house. It was it was a good grindhouse style horror movie that you can just enjoy. And there's there's never enough that you can say about that. So I'm going to sit solidly at that four, um, just like you, Dave. I, I, I think that, man, this is one that I would recommend to a lot of people. This is one I can see come October if I've got friends over and they're like, oh, Daniel, you like scary movies. What should we throw on? This is a great <laughs> throw on. Yeah, like this is a great throw on for a group of people movie, right? Because right. you can sit around. Nobody's straight up making fun of it, but everybody's right. having fun watching it. This is a laugh with, yeah. not laugh at horror movie, which is a very important distinction when we look at these horror movies that can turn on themselves very easily. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so so there you have it going by, by the math uh, because we don't math here we at Shiver. That's what our new T-shirt says. Shiver. We don't math. Because <laughs> Common Core sucks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Hannah, you're not a teacher as well, are you? I'm a nurse. <laughs> you're you're a nurse. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, D Daniel and I uh, both teachers here. Uh, uh, I, I actually don't know how you feel about Common Core math, <laughs> Daniel. Um, I I I have I have I. Mm. It's that's that's a much longer debate. I, I have feelings <laughs> yes. about Common Core math. Okay, uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk about them off air, uh, so as to not bore our uh, our our horror fans with the true horrors of the world. <laughs> uh, so uh, so because we don't math here, uh, this is gonna uh, round down to four broken peacemakers out of a possible five broken peacemakers and. I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm good with that's, it. Uh, I'm proud of that four. And and yeah. yeah, and Hannah, you should be. This is this was a good one to bring to the table. We really appreciate that you did this. It's 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 always great. It's so it makes me so happy that you reached out to me because in the past couple of weeks we've had people that I know. But like, it's not like there are good, like our, our like best friends that we're going to and pulling them in. And so it's awesome that you reached out to us. I think you've been great on the show today. Thank you so much yeah. for suggesting <laughs> this and coming on. I think you did great. Um, good luck on finishing up your the, the Alabama heat with your pregnancy. <laughs> That's the real horror. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So yeah. make, you know, um, make sure you well, keep us in the loop. Air conditioning is a real thing. Yeah. It is. Thank you guys so much for letting me come on. This was so much fun. And I got to talk about one of my favorite things. I literally love this movie. So I'm glad. 
And I'm glad, Daniel, you've never seen it. And that's just. Yeah, no, it hurts this my is heart a little the bit. First time. <laughs> I'm I'm so happy I've seen it now. Honestly, like hanging out with Dave once a week is spectacular. But the best thing about this show right now is like I just keep watching movies that I haven't seen or that I haven't seen in a long time. And this was a great addition. Well, it's now a lot you can of fun. Your kids. Yeah, and honestly, like mm, my five year old, not quite yet, but he's going to be the first one. My eleven year old, no, she's she's not she's not feeling. It. As soon as that head comes off in the beginning, she's out. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, my my son didn't start watching right away. Uh, he he was actually a couple minutes late, and so he was asking. He was like, "Well, who's died already?" Like that was his first question when he sat down <laughs> on the couch. And I said, "Well, he he mauled a woman to death, and then he uh, he decapitated a dude." And he was like, well, can I watch it? And I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, hang on. <laughs> bloop, bloop. Uh, and he, he was he was all upset that um, in in the fog, you didn't actually see any of the deaths. He was like, you don't, but you don't see it. I'm like, dude, no, this is, slap, this is a slapstick bit. Just go <laughs> yeah. along. This is Three Stooges yeah. style. <laughs> exactly. I was like, hey, re- re- you know, remember? And I was like, oh, no, all the ones I've seen with you, you see the people died. Never mind. <laughs> um, so yeah, perfect. So um, if you, like Hannah, have a horror movie that you feel very strongly about and, and, and would like to be on to discuss it, we still have some spots available towards the end of the summer Yep. Um, in, uh, in either late July or early August, I, I think. think. I think I think we're scheduled into August right now. But um, okay. yeah, we, we've definitely got the end of August available. So if there's a movie out there that you think we should absolutely cover, or if you're just desperate to talk about with people, we can be those people. <laughs> so make sure you hit us up. We're on all the social media at ShiverPod. That is our Facebook. Our Instagram is our most successful. That's where we're, we're that's where we deal with the most people. Um, we've had some great folks out there reach out to us, communicate. Um, we've been having a lot of fun with it. We try to post some memes. We keep you up to date on what movies we're doing, stuff like that. So make sure you follow us on all the social media at ShiverPod. Absolutely. So on behalf of all of us here on Shiver, write you very much.